it's another Sunday night, and tonight we're wrapping up another month in comedy with four of New York's finest. It's the April Roundup. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Toronto. It is, of course, the end of the month. It is time for another roundup, and we're kicking it over to NYC. We've got four of New York's finest, including a couple of uh, friends of the show now. We, have, we of course, have our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the line, fresh from his 45th birthday. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This year, or this uh, new year, I guess, has uh, gone off to a rocking start. Another lockdown in Ontario, and we're, you know, Nothing can hold us down. We're still doing this show. That's right. It is what it is. And if for anybody who did tune in uh, to, to last Sunday night's episode, of course, it was the Vince Tedesco birthday extravaganza. I think I think we had every available comic and radio person in the country. I think we still could have squeezed a few more in. I think at once. A few more in. Anybody who was awake, we got them on there, basically. There we go. Um, but of course, Vince, it is, it's time to wrap up the month again. We keep on keeping on, buddy. This time we've got four comics from New York joining us on the line. I'm back. I sur- I survived the COVID, Vince. Yes, I heard. You know? To, you're looking good these days. You're sounding a little rough, but you're doing all right. Yeah. So if, uh, you know, for anybody listening, if I, if I occasionally nod off mid-sentence or something, that's what's going on. But like I said, I survived Vince's birthday show, so, you know, what's the worst? I hope you survived this show because, A, they're all from New York. All and they're all fine, funny, hilarious ladies. And here's the thing, Vince. We, we've, of course, talked to a lot of New York comics over the years. And then some of our favorite comics from here have, have made their way down there. So we've talked a lot about, you know, what the club scene is like down there. New York crowds, how they're notorious for not, you know, they don't put up with a lot. They, they, they demand good comedy. So I'm curious what it was like for these comics coming up. How much of a boys club is it and all that stuff. So we're going to get into it. We got a panel of four right here on Inside Jokes. This week, we're kicking it down to NYC. We've got our roundup panel wrapping up the month of April. All New York comics on the show. This is, of course, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Helping comedians spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967. Remember when hecklers were a thing? And live crowds, for that matter. <laughs> We're going to talk to four New York comics who I'm sure are really missing some of those cult heritage New York comedy clubs right now. Those intimate spots filled with audiences who don't take a lot of crap. That's what kind of New York stand-up is, is known for. Uh, some returning friend of the shows and, and uh, some new guests on the panel. We've got Kate Wolf. We've got Tara Canastracy. We've got Ellen Karras. And we have Maya DiGiorgio. How's everybody doing? Oh, very great. Amazing. 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 That was so so underwhelming. (laughs) I feel like we're great. (laughs) I mean, you know, it is kind of a loaded question these days, right? Especially when we talk to American comics and New York comics. How's everybody doing? It becomes a very literal question very fast. It's not just. 
the good old radio days of how are you doing? And everybody's like, fantastic. Here's my new album. Here's my new special. Go. Now it's literally, well, I, I just ran out of groceries, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> well, I just came from my park show. I just, yeah. killed it. I just killed it in the park. So, yeah, things are. You did a park show. <laughs> that's all you could do in New York. Yeah. The majority of the time. I did want to pick your brain. I mean, of course, you know, here on the show, we do talk to New York comics, of course, quite a bit. Tara, you've joined us before over the years. Uh, we, we do get into a lot of, you know, what the New York scene is like and some of those, you know, infamous clubs that have churned out so many of the greats and, you know, forged such great stand-ups because they are these really intimate rooms where you're right there face-to-face -face with the audience. You never really know who could show up on stage at any given time. And New York crowds are tough. Toronto's not really like that. Toronto's kind of like, um, what was it Alec Baldwin said on 30 Rock? It's like New York without all the things. No, we don't have the stuff here. No, we don't have the stuff. <laughs> We're like a Chicago light or something. You know, we have we have a, we have our comedy scene here. We have our clubs. We have our festivals, but it's not. We don't have that cutthroatness about New York comedy. What is it? Do you guys think about New York that really just there's a very specific, very kind of raw to the bone standup that is bred in that place and in those clubs? Is that just part of the New York spirit that sort of gets into all that? Yeah, I I, I personally think so. I think that it's because no one has time. And you've seen everything, and so you've seen everything. So you you judge quickly. You already know where the punchline's going to go if it's if it's not well designed. Um, so New Yorkers just are just got so much going on that you have a fast paced brain, and they don't. You just don't have the time. You rather just get to the next comic. You're paying too much. It's just show me something or get off the stage, basically. At that yeah, point. yeah. It is true because I mean, you know, in Canada, and I think we have finally started to figure out a way out of this. And I think certainly this past year and a half we've we've come to appreciate this more but in Canadian comedy it was always you know you come up in Toronto you come up in Vancouver you come up in Montreal and everything you're doing is you're trying to get the handful of you know the just for laughs and the big festivals and all that stuff get your credits and then leave that's everything here was always a launch pad and there's like two streams of comics people make that decision at some point whether they want to try and be a New York comic or an LA comic which are two very different things. I mean, New York is a dyed-in-the-wool stand-up town. That's what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. I personally, I personally agree. Um, somebody else wants to jump in. I don't want to cut someone off, but uh, I find that I mean, New York. You just just to adjust to live in the city. You know, most people I know that that come in or family members I have that have come visited me in the city are like, "You're crazy. How do you live in this city?" So you're working at a completely different pace and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, and the city weeds people out. Like if you're not really that type of person, you can't live in that space. It's too expensive. The apartments are too small. The lifestyle is too hard. The groceries are like, you know, it's $10 for a box of cereal. You know, it's, people go like, why are you here? Yeah. Los Angeles has a different tone where people in LA can lean back and, and become part of the, um, you can you can kind of go in and they, they, they get nervous if you say something straight and too direct because they, if they laugh, that means they're co-signing what you said. And then People don't want to have opinions because they're so political and, you know, it's, it's just they're not there to like make me laugh or get off the stage and I'll boo you off if necessary. There's I, a reason. There's a reason why they say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. It's, you know, New York is its own animal in every facet. Like Maya said, from from food shopping to stand up comedy, we're just different. Our pace is different. Our expectations are different. Our tolerance, our patient is patient level is different. 
and there is there is that sense too i guess of, like if you're in la it's all about you know you're trying to do a bunch of different things at once you're you're just trying to grab for whatever piece of the pie you can get whereas i feel like a lot of new york comics it's stand-up purism it's you're 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 going there to hone in on that one thing and do that one thing and anything else you happen to do is just to feed into that and that's it I was going to say, for me, it was really being around people who are cream of the crop and it's all different yeah. kinds. It's people who've been in it for 30, 40, 50 years, even, and then brand new people. But you're seeing so many incredible talents that you have to rise to that level. Or if you don't, you won't make it there. You know, the stage doesn't lie and you get some really diverse, interesting crowds, depending on what club you're at, but you have to really get good and get sharp fast there. It's a very honest place. So you'll find out really quickly if you're funny and how to bomb properly without, you know, completely unraveling on stage. It's just, it really sharpens you quickly if you're meant to do it. And if you're not, I think most people kind of find out fast that they got to go. Yeah, the audiences in New York notoriously will 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 let you know that. And there's not, you know, there's been a lot of rooms in Canada. Kenny Robinson's Nubian show is probably the best example of this in Canada. But there's been a lot of rooms in Canada that have sort of tried to replicate that and try to build our own sort of that New York thing. Can you guys, I mean, obviously everybody misses being in front of those crowds right now and, and being live on stage and in that moment. Can you, and we'll come back more from the break with this too, but... Can you get that sense when you go up on stage, can you feel that in the room right away of, okay, I'm in front of an actual New York crowd or you're in a room full of tourists. Can you feel that as soon as you get out there? Is the vibe totally different? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we do get a lot of tourists and I think that that's one of the challenges that we have because when we walk on stage, it's not exactly like everybody from the Upper East Side if you're in an Upper East Side crowd. So you have to adjust to that. There are some people in the audience, they don't even speak English. So, but you still, it's still your responsibility to make them laugh. And I just want to say also to Kate's point too, there's a lot of comics in New York City. Uh, it's there's not enough stage time for everybody. So you are, you are competing. You're competing also with people that have been doing it for 25, 30 years that were sharing the stage with Seinfeld. So you really do have to up your game and, um, and you have to be smart and you have to be malleable. You have to be able to be very flexible when you get on that stage and adjust super quick to the vibe in the room. And every room in this city has a different vibe. Yes. That's totally true. And I think we're going to come back more with our New York panel after the break and what that competitiveness fosters in comedy. We're going to come back with our all New York panel right here on the wrap up on Inside Jokes, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. To inside jokes on 640. I'm at the sock and I don't know why I just did this. Say anything at all, but with nothing to consider. 
Welcome back to another all-new Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Helping you stay six feet away from all the people you love. How about that? We'll get back to more live show plugs eventually. It is, of course, our comedy wrap-up for April. All New York comics we have on the panel. We have Ellen, Kate, Tara and Maya coming in either from NYC or who work regularly in NYC. How is everybody doing? Oh. You, you asked that before. <laughs> I and I want, to, I want to say that when somebody responds amazing, I go, why? Why? Yeah. What are you doing? What's happening in your life that's so amazing? Or are you lying? Because I think you're lying. So that's basically, that's, that's where I'm at. at this Dean's always lying. Yeah, but the, it, especially right now, if everybody's that enthusiastic, it's completely, it's completely a lie. But hey, maybe that's part of the New York attitude as well. Ellen, before the break, you were talking about how many comics there are in New York and why it is as sort of, I would say, cutthroat almost as it is, because there's a lot of really good comics there that are all vying for X amount of stage time and, you know, going after the same clubs and going after the same spotlight and all that stuff. Do you think things are going to come back the same way? Do you think, uh, I mean, a lot of comics we've talked to this past year, one thing that people have said has there's been sort of this kumbaya thing happening in comedy where a lot of comics, because they're going through this sort of shared thing, the competitiveness has been stripped away a bit and everybody is sort of just sort of keeping the industry going together. Do you think that whole competitive spirit and going after the same sort of pool of things is going to is going to bounce right back on the New York scene after all this because I think it is really essential I right I mean I think just that reality I don't take it as a meanness um I mean for me personally the person that I'm the most competitive with is myself because yeah. I always want to get better and watching a comic uh that's that's killing it um just motivates me and I admire that so I, I do try to think in that, in that way, in a positive light. And I, I've got so many comedy friends, acquaintances, uh, Tara being one of them. Um, I, I know Maya and I have worked together actually on an acting project, not on a comedy project. Uh, and now I know Kate, um, you know, there, I think there is, uh, there is, I can only speak for New York City, a definitely a camaraderie, a lot of people, again, friends, acquaintances, that doesn't mean that you talk to somebody every day. Uh, so I, I and that's just like the, the playing field. But yeah. the, 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 I think the anxiety is, when is this going to happen? You know, it's like a drip, 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 drip. We're still walking around with masks. Some people in double masks. They're still crossing the street when you cross the street. So yeah. that's not giving me a lot of hope that we're going to get to some place to where we were quickly. And quite frankly, and I'm sorry, I'll just say this one last point. The One of the markers for us here in New York City is when Broadway opens up and when people feel comfortable and when tours start to come back and then we'll see things open up. But as far as the competitiveness, I think that that's always going to be innate. And yes, we are all going through a shared experience, uh, different for everybody. Just everybody's in a, people are in a different financial position, but yeah. I definitely shared even just the oh, I want to be on stage in front of a live audience thing. Yeah, and but the double mask thing is funny. By the way, you see that and you go, well, really? I don't, it's like the double condom thing. It's like it doesn't really. <laughs> you're not. It's not really doing anything. It's interesting too, Ellen, that you mentioned 
people kind of forget how much of a key to the whole thing Broadway really is in New York. It's sort of like, that's sort of like this missing puzzle piece where if those lights flipped on tomorrow, so much of this other offshoot stuff would just come rolling back in. It's such a huge, huge part of the puzzle. But I, you know, there was talking about this whole competitive thing. There was this great quote from Tignataro a couple of years ago when she was here in Toronto for JFL. And, you know, she was doing one of these workshops and somebody in the crowd, some new comic in the crowd stood up and said, well, how do you, when you were starting out, how did you deal with all of the politics and all of the, you know, green room back talk and worried about what everybody else was doing? And she said, well, I didn't. I didn't matter whether I was playing a club I wanted to play or doing five minutes in a laundromat. I would go and do my time and worry about my time. And if I didn't want to spend time with the other comics who were there after I got off stage, then I left and worried about my next set. And that's it. You just, it's one set at a time until you get to where you need to be. It's true. I think for the most part, prior to the pandemic, and I'll definitely say post-pandemic, is there is, a, there is a good community, though, at least here in New York. I can't speak to Philly, um, Kate, and I know Maya knows LA way better than I do, but I've always found a really, you find your, your group, you find your support system. We've all had to be so creative on how to perform and produce shows over the last year to not have it be completely shut down for us, that we were all basically creating opportunities for each other. Yeah. Whether it was a park, a backyard or, you know, a, a club, you you know, that somebody let you audition in there, you know, that were, were open at 25% capacity. There were opportunities to help your fellow comic. And I think that made, yes, there'll be a competitiveness. I, I'm so behind what Ellen says. I always say I'm competing with myself. If I'm not, I don't have to worry about anybody else. If I'm not getting better, that's my problem. Yeah. Um, that, that's yeah. my concern. But I do think that there, there is that sense of like community now more than ever because we were all in it we were all dealing with the same exact feeling it wasn't that anybody else was really you know showing progress or moving forward during this time and we all wanted to come up I, I, I found a huge amount of camaraderie in New York I don't find I never really felt any competitiveness in New York City in fact like even yeah. when I first started because I started Uptown Comedy Club in Harlem and um, then my home club when I first started was in a mainstream club was really the Boston Comedy Club. And then everybody moved over to the cellar. And because the cellar had a restaurant upstairs, then it became like the perfect place for everybody to hang out. And, you know, you would go in and you would do something stupid or you flirt with the wrong guy and Wanda would have a couple of cocktails and rip you to shreds. Then you turn the corner and Patrice would rip you to shreds and Norton and Voss would rip you to shreds. And, then and it just became a thing and you just never like I never felt hurt by the things that they would say they were so funny with what they would say that yeah. it really would make me crack up like a family member where in Los Angeles um, there is zero camaraderie everybody's cutthroat everyone's trying to cut each other's throat nobody has your back there's I'd like get to meet like I think th this is the first time since the pandemic that I've had I think I've had friends in comedy in Los Angeles it's because of the pandemic I have never seen more of a boys club more humiliate women not back each other up the comedy star has been like I don't have enough money you know hey yo can I get 20 bucks for the cab each comic has helped each other out with the cab um you I I've always felt safe I've never like out here I feel like I hear women getting roofied I hear like just really aggressive women stuff uh, in New York, they may do aggressive stuff, but it's funny. Like if you're gonna dog me, come with something funny. Don't don't say something that's just 
makes a room rapey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, and it makes you funnier. Like, you know, when I've had auditions and, you know, I might go to the guys and the guys rip me to shreds, but I've had auditions where I've gone up for like New York radio and Rich Voss gave me like 10 snaps for the next day. And, and you know, th these guys will help you finish your joke. Whereas in LA, they'll take your joke. And mostly when you see a big LA comic come to New York, they usually, you're usually, even the biggest legendary stars, you're told don't do material in front of them because they're just going to take it because there's this weird desperation where like New York crowds may be tough. Like Alan's saying that the, the balancing act is you have a, a couple in front that's Japanese and then you got bridge and tunnel going, boo, you suck behind them. And you're trying to balance the two of them. Um, every, you know, everybody's got an attitude, but then you got the Japanese interpreter interpreting your act in Japanese. So, you know, I can't attack them because they're just trying to break down what I'm saying, but you're hearing, yeah. you develop this multi, like this 20 things happening at the same time. But the, the comics in New York, after all these years, and you know, like Greg Giraldo passing and Patrice passing, you, this is like your family. These become your brothers and sisters. Like Vanessa Hollingshead has turned into a, has been my like lifelong sister. I mean, so like I'll come in and these guys will put me up. And if I need anything, even if something bad happens politically, they'll still like kind of like, hey, don't worry about it. Like Voss has always said, I've been thrown out of worse clubs than this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I think I, yeah, and you know what, I mean, Maya, it's so true. I mean, I think because in New York, it's really, you know, comics in New York are there because they just love comedy. They just want to be better comics constantly. And I mean, you know, there is, like Tara said, there is that competitiveness, yes, and that is essential. But you also, you find your people. It's because you're all comedy geeks at the end of the day and you love watching each other and you, you want to grow off of each other. And it's like the island of misfit toys. You're just like, who else would you be around? Do you think it's because in LA, there's this underlying thing of just, I'm just here to be famous by any means necessary. And that's yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So Tara. I, you could, I Maya can speak to it more. Yeah. I've been there only a couple times, you know, year, year, here, year, there for shows. She she'll know, but that's even, even the audience postures, but like New York, you're mostly the biggest competitive thought I usually have in New York is like, damn, how am I going to follow this guy? But yeah. like, the truth is, is it truly funny? while you're nervous following the next guy you're laughing like new york you're laughing and so you then you're so you're in a different headspace because it breaks you out of your ego to hear your brothers and sisters in comedy crushing it and then you're like oh man i just want to be able to go in and survive going between these two comics you know whereas you know it's, it's so it, it kind of blurs it because it really they're truly funny and truly but the funny comes from also being honest like honest with your flaws right. there's no posture and when you strip yourself down and your friends are watching that, it's, it's hard to be competitive because you're so busy, like, like uh, Taryn Ellen saying, that being as best they can be. Like you're trying to be the best you can be. So you're not really so focused on the other person. How, how important is that for all of you, by the way? I mean, a lot of comics are saying that's one of the biggest things they miss right now is, you know, you, you go to the club, you go to do a set. And half of that is just, you're going to hang out with your friends and you're going to go watch your friends on stage. Cause I mean, you know, comics have, this pandemic's been going on for a long time now. Comics have, in a way, figured out a way around this. I mean, you could do stuff online. You can write while you're at home. You can pump content out, all of that stuff. But how how essential is it to just be able to go to the club, watch your friends on stage, watch your fellow comics on stage, and just take in that energy and just be in the green room with other comics again? I mean, that's such an important part of the lifestyle and the process too, right? Yeah. Well, for me, so I just moved to to the Philly area after doing 
about 10 years of comedy in Manhattan and I started off really loving the green room hangs and all of that. And, and even though I experienced the positive camaraderie of the Manhattan stuff, I did experience a lot of um, bullying in it that I wasn't expecting um, actually um, entering it. Cause for me, it was, you know, that kind of mentality I wanted to have of you're only competing with, oh, I want to match the last, the, na- the last person on stage. Let me be as good as that. That for me is where I wanted to be, but I did end up finding and even needing to take some space from the community, um, a really nasty competitive competitiveness with a certain group. Um, and that, but that's the other cool thing about Manhattan is like, we're all from there and the people I may have experienced bullying with you guys may not have known or, or may you, you probably do know some of them, but it was my unique experience, but I felt that I got the positive push of the competitiveness. And then I also really experienced some bullying and cause, cause I tried to not just do stand up, but started experimenting with other stuff. And I felt that, um, and maybe I'm just more sensitive than most comedians, but I, I ended up getting really hurt by, uh, by some of the things that were being said and the clickiness and I'm 40. So I, and I like started comedy late twenties. I wasn't expecting to get bullied at that age. And I really, uh, it still kind of hurts, you know? So I, I did experience some of that nastiness and I think it did really affect still, which I'm going to break out of soon. Um, what I do on stage and as a creative person, they really got in my head, which I wasn't expecting. So it's like New York city artists, we can be ourselves. And then experience some of that stuff, some backstabbing. I was going from art teacher to comedian and I was like, what is this? You know, it really hurt. It still does. Like I'm still talking about it, but. It it really does though, Kate. We're going to, that's a good point to come back from break on because I mean, it is such you know, it's a weird environment that people work in. It's stand-up's a strange world that it's, you know, it's not like any other job because it really is completely all-encompassing. It's a lifestyle job and you're working in bars and you're working at nighttime and you're working in clubs and all that stuff. So, I mean, creative and and sort of um, original things can thrive in those atmospheres. A lot of the seedier sides of human nature can can thrive in those environments too, which we all know. So we're going to come back with more of our New York panel, more of our wrap up right here on Inside Jokes. Hey everyone, this is John Cullen, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on AM640. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Your eyes can have it all as soon as they hug, a high five. <laughs> yeah. Or not. Even their own slogan isn't true anymore, Vince. It is, of course, our April roundup. We are talking all things New York comedy. We have Kate, Ellen, Tara, and Maya all on the line with us, all who came up and to some degree are still in the New York comedy scene. And of course, so Kate, you made a good point before the break. We were talking about 
yes, a lot of comics do do miss that green room atmosphere, and you you know you sort of find your clique, you find your circle. But the the flip side of of stand up scenes like New York and and the clubs and all that stuff is shady things can happen. There's some. Uh, it's sort of because you're going into this world where you, you know, you're, yeah, you're working in bars every night, you're working in clubs and, you know, comics have this very sort of, there's this whole lone wolf mentality about it. And there's this, you know, it could, you could sort of tap into the darker sides of yourself in a lot of ways. One thing I was interested to ask all four of you about is coming up in that world, how much of a quote unquote boys club was it really? I mean, where do we get to a point where, you know, where you stop being billed as one of the best female comics and just comics. I mean, here in Canada, same thing. We've had, you know, we had the She Dot Festival. We've had all these festivals and clubs, even record labels that were started specifically that gave female comics larger platforms, new audiences and all that stuff because it wasn't happening in the main venues up to a certain point. But it's sort of like at, at, at what point do we finally just sort of blow all that up and get rid of all that and it's just comics now everybody's comics do you find there is still that boys club element to a lot of this stuff yeah yeah, yeah. A a absolutely uh the ladies i can feel you right through the screen um i always say this uh it used to be 1942 i think we're like 1962 at this point okay it is yeah. it is still the three-person show only one woman if there's three women, it's the all-female show. We've all we've all been through it. I I don't know what more else we can do. We work our behinds off to to you know to be good and work at this craft uh, to get rid of that mindset. I wish there was like a protest for female comedians, like you know, because the, it 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 just it it keeps going on, and and I don't even look at it from um, my our male counterparts. I don't think it's as much really them. It's either bookers or sometimes it's audience. Like all of us have experienced this. I know where somebody will come up to you and go, oh, for a female, you were great. Or, oh, I never see a female comic. Or, wow, you're a female comic. It's, it's as if we were like a dinosaur. And we, it was yeah. like, it, it was, it's so weird to us that this is still happening. And it's, so it's still happening. To the answer to your question, it's still happening. Yeah. I mean, even on, we're gonna, I'll take it to TikTok real quick. So I just joined this year, but I still get comments and they're probably from like 16 year old boys or 50 year old men, women aren't funny. And it, it blows my mind every time that that thought can even still exist. You know, that there are actual human beings walking around this planet who believe that women aren't funny. So as a female comic in Manhattan, too, you're going up against so many belief systems of even what a woman's supposed to say. It is. It's like 1962 still. It's like, oh, my gosh, she's talking about her sex life. Meanwhile, the guy who went up before me was like my balls and my poop right. and like and everyone's like, oh. I mean, I'm thinking right now of like a show, maybe a little bit outside Manhattan, but you're still going up against people who literally think women aren't funny, which would make you as a woman comic a fraud immediately to them. So that always blows me away. But I think we're, I think we're changing things for sure. I think we, I, I do believe we're at a tipping point where the collective's changing and they're starting to be like, wait, women are funny. Well, and even that, even that advent of like, like you said, I mean, there's, you know, a female comic would get up on stage and start talking about sex 
And then you see all these light bulbs go off in the room. It's like every perv that's in the audience is going, oh, they're talking about sex. Well, all bets are off now. That means I can approach them after the show and all. It's just such a different set, such a different mentality. It's also how you posture your joke and how you posture yourself. I mean, what Ellen's saying is correct that you're only getting like one female per show. You put three females on a show, it's a female show. But when I first started, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't think of myself as a female comic. I thought of myself as a comic. And because I came up through the Def Jam world, um, if you were like, they didn't care female, male, they just blew you off. So like, if you came up to like, oh, they had a, a peppermint lounge where you'd have to do your Def Jam audition or when I, my first TV taping when I was a kid was like the Apollo and they, they boo me because I look light skin or they boo you because you're this and that. They just look in a, they boo at the jump on anything. And yeah. so if whenever you, you just so focus on trying to get that quick fun, first few punchlines out to, to crush the room, then all of a sudden it kind of neutralizes it. But I think as I've gotten older in comedy, I have seen um, as the years went on, I have seen how many ways to try to box you out as a female. If you come and you're equally as funny as the guys, they will find still a way to try to do something to punk you, to try to pull you and corner you out of the out of the room. And, and whether it's by just all of a sudden, now all of a sudden you hit a certain spot and you're competing with them enough, where now all of a sudden, oh, well, she's crazy. You know she's crazy. You know she's crazy. Or you know she's single. Or you know she's, so this is all this mentality. So now even I meet female comics that are beasts on stage and because they've been, they got divorced or, you know, whatever oh oh she crazy i say that before i even and i'm like what am i doing because like i like i'm so used to going someone's crazy but we also it's like the same thing you hang out with guys and you turn around you check one of these guys for saying something rude you let them say all the crazy stuff in, in between shows because then you don't want to be like the priest that says well don't say that and that's really rude to say in front of me and then they're like oh you think you're you know you're too good now oh so you oh we got to treat her special so she's not part and then they go back to like this guy's thing. So you you're kind of you kind of can't draw the lines. And then when you don't draw the lines, then they think that they can walk on you because now you've lowered your standard. Then you lower your standard. Then you one day you snap and defend yourself. And then oh you know oh she's defending herself now she's what she's you know she's crazy again. She's difficult to work with. So there's a constant. It's a constant series of how to marginalize us and regardless if you are 10 times funnier than your male counterparts that are the best in the room, they will still find a way. There is still, oh, and then the females who run some of these rooms do it too. They don't even put women on. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, do a whole show, all men and be like, oh, sorry, I didn't know. I did not know. I didn't think, well, you have t t 10 female comics that are beasts that will smash these guys and tear the room up. But you want, you're in a, she's gonna play into the same thing that yeah. everyone else is fighting. So it's, it's, it's really not, there's not a win-win here. Cause the, as I see the best female comics getting a little bit that are, that are now doing women of a certain age group. And then I'm going, you gotta be kidding me. They're as equal as all these other guys, but because the industry is only allowing so much then you, that you then have to use it as a brand. Well, we're the, we're the women of a certain age group. How about the funny women that, that would not be let through and were not given the credit that mm -hmm. they deserved. Um, because they wanted people wanted to label them because they just wouldn't they wouldn't put up with it so they now we're they're in the crazy box you know yeah i'm exhausted tokenized Sorry. thing about everything all right we're gonna come back with more of our panel and find out what everybody's been working on and where you can find all of their stuff we're gonna come back with more inside jokes right here on global news radio 640 toronto <laughs>
Hi, my name is Amish Patel, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on 640. I'm ready. Just take it off. Cuts, cuts, you tease me. I like it that way. And you know it. So let's do it. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is, of course, our April roundup. It's our April panel. We are talking all things New York. Uh, we have... Kate Wolf, first up, we'll go to you. Kate Wolf, back on the line. You joined us a little while ago. Where can uh, where can people find what you've been working on right now? Find my podcast, Invasion of Privacy. It's been around for years and years. Um, maybe listen to present ones, past ones, but you can find it where all podcasts are found. TikTok, I'm Kate Fanchon Wolf, and Instagram, the Kate Wolf. And thank you all. Perfect. Thank you so much. And of course, out in LA, we have Maya DiGiorgio, who of course came up through New York. Maya, where can people find some of your stuff right now and uh, how you've been keeping busy and or sane this entire time? Well, Million Dollar Maya is um, is all my, so just look at Million Dollar M because Maya spelled crazy. It'll help you there. Um, I've actually, I've actually been into um, cutting, a, recutting an old doc and doing new footage with it um, of a documentary that got buried from back in the day. So I've I'm sitting on like 600 hours of, of really um, amazing footage from Phyllis Diller to um, all the old seller comics that when people first started, Rachel Feinstein, Kevin Hart, everybody when they started. So it's right. like a big combination of looking back. So I've just been, been exploring this topic we just discussed. That's why. <laughs> no better time than now, I guess, for sure. Maya, thank you so much. Stay safe and thank you for joining us tonight. And of course, we have our old friend of the show, Tara Canastracy. Where can people find you, Tara? Uh, on all social media, you can find me at Tara Jokes. My website is also Tara Jokes. Uh, if the border opens, you guys can come to some of my shows. But if not, I don't think anybody in Toronto with your new six-week lockdown is coming to see us anytime <laughs> soon. Thanks for reminding us, Tara. Yeah, thank Sorry, you. I, the minute that border opens, guys, I will be there. I have it on good authority with Andreas, but I will be returning to Canada the minute I can. And uh, I, uh, I'll have a podcast coming out soon with Catherine Narducci, so stay tuned for it. All right. And yeah, Tara, we hope we hope that you can come and perform here live again yeah. sometime soon. Two years from now, maybe. Who knows? It sure feels like that right now in Ontario. And of course, Alan Karras, you, of course, have a podcast that you want to plug in. And where can people find some of your stuff and catch yeah, you? So right my now? website is ellencaris.com, E-L-L-E-N-K-A-R-I-S.com. My podcast, uh, my schedule is all on there. Also, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Greek Chick Comic and Facebook, Ellen Karras, Greek Goddess of Comedy. Uh, I'm also working <laughs> on a documentary um, uh, about New York City and uh, during COVID with uh, my friend Jim Andrinos. And uh, I think that I will be on that same show with Tara because I've spoken on Andreas too. So he's looking to, because uh, we, we were up there last two years ago and uh, it was a great time at Yuck Yucks. I love, by the way, the Canadian audiences. I've been to Montreal, Quebec, Ottawa, Regina, all great, <laughs> great. And there's Greeks all over the place. So I love it. I love you guys, really. I, I mean That's that so sincerely. Funny. I got to say, you're the first New York comic that we've ever had that gave a shout out to Saskatchewan. Most uh, <laughs> most, most Canadian road dogs don't even do that. Uh, that is our panel. Thank you all so much for joining us, especially Maya out in L.A. You actually got up for AM radio, but thank you all so much for joining <laughs> us uh, and for doing what you do. Hopefully, the, you know, the gates do open up soon and we do get to see some of you back down in Canada live on stage. But in the meantime... Keep doing what you're doing. Everybody go check them out. And don't forget, you can listen to all of our episodes 
right back to the very beginning on Global News Online. That is our panel. That is our show. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx features Maya DiGiorgio. Everyone's married up there. Is everyone married here? Great. Good way to feel bad about myself. Uh, I'm not married, and um, I don't have any kids, but I've yet to date a guy that deserves to be replicated. So it's not my fault. (laughs) Some guys like you hate guys. I don't hate guys. I just hate my guys. I make terrible choices. Trust me. You don't need any more of these idiots running around. Someone's like, don't you want a mini you? I said, yes, but what if I roll the dice and end up with mini him? <laughs> Spend the rest of my life turning mini him into the he he wasn't. No use all three of us for going to jail. <laughs> his dad for being himself, the kid for being like his dad, and me for having to kill the two of them, so... 